Hey folks, I'm Alex Dowd. And I'm Katie Rife. Today we are talking about two of the more acclaimed movies of the fall, starting with Ryan Johnson's new whodunit, Knives Out, and followed by the can favorite, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Welcome to Film Club. All right, so Dowd, today we're talking about a movie that I feel like has been around for a while. You and I saw it back in September at respective film festivals, but it's finally out, and it's actually a big hit. It's Ryan Johnson's Knives Out. It's an Agatha Christie-style murder mystery, but it's got a lot of contemporary updates. What I loved about this film um, is that it is, uh, and this is, I think this is very typical of Ryan Johnson's approach to genre. Mm-hmm. It's in some ways a very faithful riff on uh, on the, the the sort of genre traditions that it's it's splashing around in. You mm-hmm. know, as you said, it's very Agatha Christie. An old man has been murdered in a giant manor. Yeah, and there's a whole accusing parlor of potential suspects. A sort of flamboyant detective has come to figure out. Whodunit? Played by Daniel Craig with a delightful Southern accent. Yes. Uh, Benoit Blanc, is that his name? Right? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's, he's playing this sort of foghorn, leghorn version oh, of... Oh, yes. Uh, he does declare several <laughs> times right. throughout the film. Yeah. So the movie offers those those very familiar pleasures. It, mm-hmm. it definitely is fitting into that framework, into that genre framework. But at the same time, because it's Johnson, he's also kind of, uh, he's also kind of tweaking those pleasures and tweaking our expectations. Yeah, it's kind of difficult to talk about the plot of this movie too yeah. much because <laughs> it is a whodunit and mm-hmm. there is a lot of pleasure in the way that it unfolds. It's very surprising. Yeah. Um, but there is uh, something happens uh, a little more, a little less than midway through the film that really kind of sets it off on a totally different track. And that track is, um, I think that that's very Hitchcockian. It's sort of in that Hitchcock identity thriller Mm -hmm. sort of tradition where, you know, it's less about who actually did it and how they did it and why. Right, exactly. So you're making an audience a co-conspirator in the fun in a way. Because Mm -hmm. uh, what did Hitchcock say? He said that a bomb blowing up underneath a table is surprising. Mm but a bomb not blowing up underneath the table, that's suspense, right. you know? And in a way, this movie gives us more information than we're used to having in this kind of, um, in this, this kind of story, right. and then says, where can we go with it from there? And I mean, that's not to say that there aren't twists and turns after that. Oh, there absolutely there are, are plenty. Yeah, you know? and that's one of the. I think that's another remarkable thing about it is that it gives us information that we wouldn't expect to have at a certain point, and then keep surprising us anyway. Yeah. You know? And another thing that uh, I think was kind of a fun, interesting riff on the old-fashioned whodunit is it is a dysfunctional, rich family. Yeah. <laughs> all called into the same room by the detective, yep. as Great you mentioned cast. earlier. Yes, it's a wonderful cast. It's yeah. a big A-list cast. And uh, I did an interview with Johnson last month, and he said that Daniel Craig had about three weeks to film this before he had to get started on the next Bond movie. Mm-hmm. And so they just had, everything just had to fall in place very quickly. Yeah. But luckily, Daniel Craig is an actor that a lot of people want to work with. So Michael Shannon came on board, and then it's just all A-listers from there on out. Like Tony Collette's in it, yep. Jamie Lee Curtis is in it. It's John got- Johnson. Yeah. Chris Evans. Mm-hmm. I, another thing that I feel like Johnson does is he sort of subverts our relationship to some of these actors as mm-hmm. well. Uh, Evans has spent the last decade of, of his career in the kind of trenches of the Marvel Cinematic Universe playing the purest exactly. embodiment of like American wholesomeness. Yes, you know? heroism, <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in this he plays like an obnoxious spoiled rich kid. He's so. a much slipperier figure in this totally. film. Yep. And another interesting uh, kind of contemporary update on it is it deals with uh, politics and uh, sort of comes at it from both 
angles. Like on the one hand, one of the kids in the family is an alt-right internet troll yeah. who everyone in the family just thinks he's an asshole. Which by the way, I do think that character is Johnson's swipe at uh, the kind of internet trolls who are after him because they hated The Last Jedi. Ah, uh, I yeah. mean, such sweet revenge. Yeah. You're like, guess what, buddy? Yeah. I'm gonna make another movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also at the same time, there are some sort of subtle swipes at sort of liberal moray. I don't know what the word I'm Sort of flaky slacktivism yeah. in a way. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. Um, there's some jokes that reminded me of the I would have Obama, voted for Obama third time joke and get out. Totally. It's sort of along the same lines where one of the main characters is Anna de Armas. She is from a Latin American country. We don't learn which one she's from because everyone in the family names a different country yep. every time they yep. talk about her, <laughs> showing that they think it's all the same and they don't really yep. care you know, where she's from or anything like that. So that's sort of an update that you wouldn't necessarily see in uh, you know, an old-fashioned whodunit, but because like her family's immigration status mm -hmm. comes into play and just a bunch of more contemporary issues. Totally. Yeah. Although that is Johnson, I think, again, playing with the Christie mold mm. because her stories had sort of class subtext as well. Yeah. He's just finding a very contemporary one. Yeah. You know, this is, this is a story about an immigrant um, or, or, or somebody from an immigrant family. Mm -hmm versus this family of enormous privilege. Yeah, I mean, you have who this, are all kind of assholes. Oh, they're all terrible, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're but they're the worst. very fun. <laughs> yes, they're you fun know? jerks, they're, yes. They're, very, they're fun assholes, <laughs> you know? Well, a nod to the past that I really liked in this film is uh, it's set in this big mansion, mm -hmm. this big Victorian Gothic looking mansion that is full of sort of like signifiers of the sort of Agatha Christie era of magic. Oh, you've got automatons, you've got posters for Houdini, you've got crystal balls. I thought that was sort of a nod to the past of the oh, genre as well. 100%, yeah. 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 Uh, I was very moved by the end of this film mm. and I was not expecting that because I mean, it's the movie's kind of a contraption. Yeah, it is. It's always surprising you, it, it moves very quickly mm -hmm. and and it's a lot of fun. There's people are tossing one-liners across these opulent dens, you know. Yeah. But by the end, I think it has become kind of a. Uh, it's become a film about the importance of, of kindness and honesty mm -hmm. and these virtues that I think are um, occasionally uh, getting lost in what our culture has become. I mean, that being said, I wouldn't call it a, like an overtly moralistic movie. Right. It's mostly just really fun. Yeah. So there's this moment in Lady Bird from a few mm -hmm. years ago, Greta Gerwig's film, that's always stuck with me. And it, it, it's a scene where Lady Bird is uh, sitting down with this head nun played by Lois Smith. Mm -hmm. And Lois Smith is talking about how she thinks that there's not a lot of difference between attention and love, is what she says. Okay. That when you pay attention to something, that is an expression of love. Mm -hmm. And I thought about that a lot while watching uh, Celine Sciamma's new movie, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Yes. I think it's absolutely a film about that conflates the process of studying something mm -hmm. and studying someone and falling in love with them. Yes, absolutely. This film definitely, my, my main thought after I watched it was that it makes just looking intently at someone's face and memorizing their features seem like the most romantic thing yeah. possible. Yeah, like the sexiest thing. It, yes, you know? it's very sexy yeah. also, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that happens within the context of a story that's set in, I believe it's 18th century France. Mm -hmm. So we open with a young painter. She's a woman painter, which is very unusual for her time. And she's played by Nomi Merlant. Her name is uh, Marianne. And she's been hired 
to go to this remote Sounds like a private manor. island. Yeah, it's like a private island, like yeah. sort of a manor house for this aristocratic family. And they've got a daughter whose name is Heloise, who's played by Adele Anel, I believe is how you say her name. <laughs> so she's playing like the rebellious daughter of this aristocratic family who really just does not want to get married at all. And the, being the time that they're in, part of the courting process is sending a portrait of the intended to her potential fiance to see basically if he likes her, if she right. thinks she's attractive. Right. And it's Heloise, almost like a receipt or something. Uh, kind of, you yeah. Know, or, or like a receipt of intentions. You or, know? or like sending somebody a selfie off of <laughs> Tinder nowadays. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the mm -hmm. slow motion version of that. <laughs> and she just refuses to sit for the portrait. She's just a nightmare to every painter who has ever come in to do the portrait because she knows full well that when this portrait is done, she has to go get married and she really doesn't yep. want to do that. So Marianne is the newest painter to come and uh, Heloise's mother tells Marianne, just hang out with her. Don't mm -hmm. let her know that you're painting her and paint at night in secret. Yeah. And that's when the observation begins. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a great romantic setup, mm -hmm. um, partially because of what we talked about, yeah. um, that, that it's all about observation and about studying somebody. And uh, I mean, you know, when you Just meet somebody, that's what it's about. Yeah, you're spending time with somebody and you're learning things about them. Mm -hmm. And I think it functions as this, kind, this sort of beautiful slow burn. We're very slowly seeing these two move close together. Another thing I appreciate about it, though, is that there is, there's a bit of like a moral dimension to, to this dilemma that our main character has. Oh, sure. Because she understands that the job is basically to get this this portrait, but she also knows that if she finishes this portrait and uh, once the job is done, she is basically hastening um, Heloise's entrance into into marriage. into a marriage and a world in a life she doesn't want and becoming like a piece of chattel being exchanged like yep. goods, you know and. Once they fall in love with each other, which is what happens when they spend all this time together, it, it becomes even more of a dilemma because, mm -hmm. you know, she can't finish the portrait or else it's over. Right. That's exactly. it. Exactly. There's has a personal stake at that point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm fascinated by, uh, I think that there is, uh, there's kind of a, a feminist dimension to this film mm -hmm. as well. Um, and, and it goes beyond simply um, the plot being about... A lesbian romance? A lesbian romance okay. and also about whether or not somebody is going to be pushed into a marriage they don't want. Well, it's a very small cast and yeah. it's almost entirely female. Right. Well, mm -hmm. I, and I would say, I mean, uh, not even, not definitely not incidentally. I mean, even no, when not you at meet... All the character who uh, Heloise is potentially no. going to be betrothed to. We don't even see his face. You could even extrapolate like Sappho came from the island of Lesbos. Right, you know, right. they're on their they're on their women's yep. utopia island yep. together. Yep. Um, and my one thing with this film does take a while to get going. It does. You get into the rhythm of their everyday life, mm -hmm. which is a lot slower than we're used to now. Mm -hmm. But I think that that actually ends up making it more powerful once it does kind of explode into a passionate relationship mm -hmm. because you feel like you're getting to know them as they're getting to know each other. Totally. I mean, it's a seduction as well. Mm -hmm. The movie is taking its time in the way that, that somebody might take their time during the seduction process, mm -hmm. you know, they're very slowly moving together until uh, until the moment when they finally meet. The tension at that point, the romantic tension and mm -hmm. the sexual tension between them, is at this fever pitch, mm -hmm. you know. And that only works, I think, if the movie is very gradually 
building to that. Yeah, I really love the scene where they kind of let each other know that they're into each other. And it it's like we've been talking about, they say to each other like, well, you bite your lip when you're nervous. You blink a lot when you're excited. Just little tiny things that they've noticed about each other. It's just, it's very romantic. And also to bring it to the feminist dimension you were talking about, you know, everyone talks about the male gaze and the female gaze. Mm -hmm. And I think that this movie is a great example of the female gaze, um, not only because it was made by a woman who is herself uh, the director, you know, Celine is, Siama, yep. yeah, she's a, a member of the lesbian community also, mm -hmm. and actually dated the main actress for a long time. So might have been an interesting set. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. They, they have a history, the two of them, um, and, and I mean that adds a sort of subtextual level too. It does. I mean, not not entirely on a gossipy level, also on a romantic level, mm -hmm. you know. The the amount of. Um, care and affection that the mm -hmm. movie lavishes on Heloise yes. uh, comes not just from the character, but from the camera. Right, from um, the camera from the as well. the way she's framed, the way she's lit. Yeah. Um, the movie, I think, is, is in love with her as a performer. Uh, yes, and in love with her is a very important distinction from lusts after her totally. or, you know, is objectifying her. Yeah. Because that's the main critique of when you talk about the male gaze in film is that it portrays women as objects. Yeah. But this is very much a she's a subject, you know, subject of the portrait, subject of the movie, just everything she's, yeah. it's all in love with her, like on on a personality level as well as a physical level, which I think is what really speaks to that aspect of the gaze of the film. Okay, folks, thanks for listening. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. And also while you're at it, be sure to check out our other podcast, Dial M for Maple, that's all about Riverdale. Thanks. Thanks, bye.